Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. How's it going, Janet? Hey, well, we're still in lockdown as we're recording this. Yes. I guess, well, we only have one episode per month, so this will be coming out in, like, July, I want to say, or August? I feel as though we should mention that to anyone who's listening, that we are recording this a few months before it's going to air, but we're still sick in the quarantine. Yeah. And, you know, we might as well. Sorry, there's not much else to say. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the world is frightening right now. (laughs) So I'm glad. But, Lucia, you've been posting such colorful photo exposés on your Instagram. I feel like every all of our listeners should be following you on Instagram. (laughs) It's my escapism. Um. Yeah, so anyway, I'm very glad that uh, we're doing this very silly movie today, because this was, I mean, not a good movie, but a nice escapist kind of activity. Okay. Um, so we recast Spider-Man 3 from 2007, the Sam Raimi version. And uh, Janet, one of our listeners suggested this, is that right? Yes, that's right. It was your brother-in-law, Dan Reston. And a previous uh, repodcasting guest. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dan. This is a very good pick for recasting. Uh, It is rife with problems, and uh, I do feel like a lot of it could be solved with different people. So just to backtrack to your original comment, how you were saying that this was a good pick for somber times, I'm assuming that you didn't enjoy Spider-Man 3, Lucia? That is a correct assumption. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To be perfectly honest, I mean, I enjoyed parts of it. I don't think it's all bad, Um, but it's bizarre. It's a really bizarre movie. And quite frankly, I can see why it killed the franchise. Okay. Um, Did you enjoy it? Um, Well, I'm not a huge fan of of uh, superhero movies. Mm -hmm. So I never feel that I'm the right demographic for these types of films. Yeah, I have to agree. And certainly by now, I feel like I'm just kind of sick of them. At the time that these Spider-Man movies were coming out, I actually really enjoyed the first two. Um, And then I had heard that the third one was bad. So I avoided it for years and years and ended up watching it. I don't know, just pretty recently, like a few years ago. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just a really bizarre one. Um, having like seen and enjoyed the first two, this one did not feel like it was in the same tone or vibe or anything, which is even more strange because it is the same director throughout and most of the same cast. Right. But yeah. So, um, how did this do at the box office? So it had, uh, a budget of, well, it's weird because when I looked at the for the budget numbers, 
I found that it was anywhere between 258 to 350 million. Oh. That's kind of a, a gap. Yeah. <laughs> Almost $100 million. Yeah. But anyway, this made a boatload of money, wow. this movie. Even though critically, it wasn't necessarily a critical success. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read several reviews for it. None of them were especially glowing, but it still made a ton of money. It was uh, globally $890 million. Whoa. Yeah, it was actually the highest grossing movie out of this trilogy. Oh, no. Yeah. That's surprising. Fun fact. Yeah. I wonder if that's why, like, because to me, all of the superhero movie, well, maybe not all, but so, so, so many of the superhero movies that have come out, even when they're bad, and even when people don't like the casting, and even when once the movie's out, everybody's talking about how bad it is, they still seem to make more than their fair share, like more than their budget. They they do well. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess with this one, it had already, there were already two movies prior to it. Um, both movies had done really well, so I could only guess that people had high expectations for this. And mm-hmm. it's Spider-Man, so it, it has a built-in audience. There's always people who will will line up to see it and go out the night before to see it and <laughs> buy like all those advance tickets and that sort of thing. So there's always an audience for these movies. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's why they keep making them. <laughs> the yeah. uh, The synopsis that I wrote for this is Spider-Man becomes bad Spider-Man, his friend becomes a supervillain, his rival becomes a supervillain, his uncle's killer becomes a supervillain, his girlfriend is a needy actress, and some other woman is there to cause trouble for all unintentionally. Oh, I don't think that's a good synopsis. (laughs) I don't think that that's, um, how can I put it? Like, to me, that's what it felt like the movie maker was telling us. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. So that's your synopsis. Correct. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, because I'm starting to feel like your synopsis are like just your opinion, not necessarily <laughs> a synopsis. Hey, this one was just fact after fact. It was not opinionated. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I'm being glib for sure. Because one of the main complaints about this movie that I had heard was that there were too many villains in it. And uh, I would tend to agree. You agree. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, it feels like they were trying to do too much. And then it's kind of long. Like, it's, what, two hours and ten minutes or something? To well, me... it was long. But yeah. is it long even by today's standards of these superhero movies? I feel like they're all, like, super bloated. Yeah, but I dislike that about them. Like, to me, you give me a tight 90-minute movie. This could have been turned into two movies. Pretty easily, I think, like with some extra padding or, you know, one extra villain or something like that. I think that this definitely should have been split myself. Are there any superhero movies that are 90 minutes? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I'd have to check. But I feel like the first two Spider-Man movies were not that long. I think the first two were under two hours. But I could be wrong. I just don't remember them feeling bloated. They always feel too long for me. (laughs) Maybe that's is more <laughs> about your feelings towards these movies. Yeah, maybe. But I often have, like, when I discuss these movies with other people, 
but just in general, when you're talking to people about superhero movies, like, mm-hmm. that's often a complaint. It's like, oh, they're so long, like, mm-hmm. I have to go to the bathroom during them, and blah, 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 so I don't know. Well, um, okay, so, oh, let's take a quick break, and then we will come back and give you our new casts. Repodcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. You can listen to so many other great podcasts at the Alberta Podcast Network, such as The Read Along. It's like a mini book club for your ears. Join Scott and Anita on a journey through a good book, one chapter at a time. Listen to The Read Along and so many other wonderful podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And now back to the show. Okay, and we're back. And um, Janet, do you want to go first with your recasts? Before I go into the recasting, I wanted to ask you, we decided not to recast Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But after watching this, does Tobey Maguire work for you as Spider-Man, Lucia? Uh, you know, not in this movie. I don't know what was happening in this movie because, again... I liked the first two and I thought he was a very good Spider-Man in the first two. And while watching this one, I did not understand what happened. If maybe he just, if he was sick of it and didn't want to be there, I don't know what he was doing in this. It was really bad. Well, you're supposed to see a darker side of his character, right? I didn't mean bad, like good versus bad. I meant bad, like poor acting. I don't know what was going on here. But that's not what I meant. Okay. I meant, oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. Because <laughs> did you Never think mind. that he did a good job in this movie? Well, I'm not sure that I ever really liked Tobey Maguire as oh. Spider-Man. Okay. I didn't necessarily think he did a horrible job. Like, I didn't hate him as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But... I wonder if maybe we shouldn't have recast his role as well, but it's too late now. <laughs> okay. So, we did recast the Eddie Brock role, which was Kill for Grace, and we also decided to recast Harry Osborne, who is played by James Franco, and then we decided to recast uh, the role of Mary Jane Watson, who is played by Kirsten Dent. So I'll start with the Eddie Brock role because that's sort of the one that got the most press, I think, at the time. Sort of the most criticism was that Topher Grace was so, so miscast Mm. in his role. And I completely agree. It was painful to watch him at times. (laughs) At least I thought it was. This was very bad casting on their part, okay. I think. And you know what's really interesting? I was actually reading an interview that Topher Grace did in August of 2018 because they made a Venom movie right? that came out in October of 2018 and Tom Hardy got the lead role mm-hmm. of Eddie Brock slash Venom. And what's really interesting is that even Topher Grace didn't think he was a good choice for this role. Really? <laughs> Yeah, like he, and I'm just going to read like a quick quote uh, (laughs) that I wrote down. So they asked him about it, and he said that um, initially he was like a huge fan of Spider-Man comics, and he was a huge fan of Venom. So this is what he said when he was asked. He said, I was a huge fan of it, and I was surprised and a little bit like, huh? 
when they wanted me to play it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's what he actually said. So I think it's interesting that Tulsa Grace had that self-awareness mm-hmm. going into the role, that perhaps he wasn't like the best choice for yeah. this role. And it, you, it almost makes you wonder if going into it and kind of feeling that way, if it doesn't affect your performance. I would, I mean, granted, he is saying that in 2018. So he does have the benefit of hindsight. But if he always felt that way, then yeah, that I think that would affect your performance. Right. No. Like he couldn't understand it, why they wanted him to play it. So going into it, like, you know, that's, there's a lack of confidence there, it seems. So I don't know. I always think that that's really interesting when actors sort of voice those reservations later on and say, well, I wasn't too sure about this because it's like, yeah, it showed in your performance. I will give him the benefit of the doubt in that if he's a big fan of the comic books and he has this opportunity to be in the movie and I'm sure it was a handsome paycheck, uh, I'd probably take it too if I were in that situation. Oh, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not questioning why he took it. okay. Because obviously it's exactly like what you're saying. Like who wouldn't Yeah. Who would turn down an opportunity like this, mm-hmm. right? Especially you know, he was primarily known for T V work yeah. and you know, back then actors were always wanting to make that jump from T V into feature film because back then television was considered an inferior medium yes. to feature film, right? Yeah not so much that way anymore because some of the best work that we're seeing now is coming Mm -hmm. from television right yeah yeah, he probably at that time wanted to make that career transition yeah yeah absolutely i'm sure they paid him a ton of money (laughs) yeah especially especially considering how well the movie did yeah watching him i mean i don't know it was really i thought it was really difficult to watch him because I almost felt sorry for him when I was watching him on screen because honestly, like, I don't know, as a casting director, how can you look at Topher Grace's resume (laughs) and, like, look at his work and say, yes, that's who I want to cast as a supremely evil (laughs) supervillain. Do you know what I mean? Like, based on what you've seen of his work, I can't imagine how you'd look at him and go, yes, that's Eddie Brock. That's exactly who we want to play an evil alien symbiote. That's a a, symbiote, or whatever, (laughs) however it's pronounced. So, yeah, I definitely think that the casting was off. So, I went with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, nice. Because I think that where Topher Grace is completely out of his acting realm in this role and he certainly has no acting toolkit for this that's for sure uh jake gyllenhaal is like the exact opposite you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. he would have been perfect for the role he could have put such an interesting dramatic spin on the character and he would be totally believable as somebody who's evil because you know what he could play anything yeah jake gyllenhaal plays malevolent he can play that we've seen him now do it several times Mm -hmm. in his career and even then i think he could have done it he did zodiac yeah that same year and 
I don't know. I feel like he could have done it. I, I don't know if it was offered to him or not, but I think he would have been much more interesting. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jake Gyllenhaal would have frosted his tips for the role? Um, I don't <laughs> think he needed to frost his tips. I just, I had to bring it up because the second Topher Grace came on the screen, I was like, what is happening? Why is his hair like this? <laughs> it just, it looked, I don't know, for me, it took me out of the film immediately. Maybe it was oh, also really? like a timing thing because this came out in 2007. Is that when everybody was doing that? I don't know. But to me, it just was so I distracting. Think, I think Jake Gyllenhaal would do whatever it would take <laughs> to make the character believable yeah so yeah maybe he would have frosted his kiss <laughs> okay or maybe it was a wig how do you know Topher Grace wasn't wearing a wig <gasps> we need to have like we need to get a resident wig expert on our show yeah, sure. <laughs> so then the next character Harry Osborne James Franco guess what this is the very first time where we were supposed to recast someone and you know what I didn't recast James Franco. What? I decided not to. No, you know what? James Franco, for me, stays as Harry Osborne. <gasps> this is unprecedented. Yes. I know. And, you know, the thing about James Franco is I don't really like James Franco. We've talked about this before on mm -hmm. the podcast. I'm not a fan of his, and I don't think he's a bad actor, I mean, I have seen him in some roles where I've really enjoyed him, mm -hmm. and I think this was one of them. What? Yeah. Like, I think James Franco is Harry Osborne. <laughs> uh, I think what he brings, like, to me, the Harry Osborne character is somebody who's overprivileged, he's entitled, he's kind of a smug asshole, <laughs> and I think that that is James Franco perfectly. I think James Franco probably didn't even have to act to be Harry Osborne. That's amazing. So, yeah, I think that James Franco is perfect for this role. So I didn't recast him. Wow. I don't know if yeah. I should be angry or not. I mean, Janet, the job is to recast. <laughs> but he doesn't need to be recast. Ooh, we disagree I, there. I just, I just want to mention to our listeners that he was actually, it was your choice to recast him, not mine. Yep. I, like, didn't think that there was anything wrong with that casting, so I didn't cast. Sorry, Lucas. <laughs> no, honestly, like, I was watching it, and I was just like, he's perfect. He is Harry Osborne. I don't know. I guess I could maybe envision someone else, but I have a hard time envisioning someone else. I think he did a really good job. Yeah, see, for me, character. much like Tobey Maguire, I think... I liked James Franco in the role in the first two movies, and I really right. didn't like him in this one. In this one, I was saying the exact same thing of, like, what's going on? What is he doing? Like, why? I'm not sure. They, I don't know if it's the actors or the director. I don't know where to point any blame. Then you could say, like, is that James Franco's fault, or is that the script? and the direction that he was given. Yeah, maybe. Because, again, like, I do think he was a good Harry Osborn in the first two films, but I didn't like him in this one. Okay. Fair enough. So then, for Mary Jane Watson, we decided to recast Kirsten Dunst. You know, for me, Kirsten Dunst was never my Mary Jane Watson. Okay. Never. And I think 
part of the reason that I never liked her as Mary Jane was because I never really believed the chemistry between her and Tobey Maguire. I didn't think there was any chemistry between them. Definitely not in this movie. I would agree 100%. I never felt that chemistry, like not even in the other two, the first two movies. So, I don't know. I just never thought she was a good casting choice Mm. as Mary Jane. And, you know, it's really interesting because, like I say, I'm not a huge fan of any of these sort of comic book superhero movies. I don't read comic books, so I don't know much about them. But I decided to do a little sleuthing into who the character of Mary Jane is. Oh, okay. In the comic books, just so I could get sort of a better understanding and have a better perspective. And if this is wrong, if there is anyone listening who is a Spider-Man expert, please write in and and tell me that I'm wrong. But what I discovered is that Mary Jane is actually somebody who's, like, pretty sassy and has a lot of swagger. Like, one of her most famous lines from the comic books is, Face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. She says that to Peter, I guess, when... About herself? going out or whatever. (laughs) That's amazing. She's confident. She's sassy. She's described as a party girl in the comics. And she's described as being flamboyant and kind of like a a life of the party sort of personality. Wow. So when I was reading that, I thought, I mean, maybe for the movie, there's a a different iteration of Mary Jane, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the other thing I didn't like about Kirsten Dunst was that she just seemed so mopey and melancholy. And again, maybe that's the way she's been written for the movies. Like maybe she's not supposed to be sassy and have swagger and be really confident. But that's kind of the Mary Jane that I wish we'd seen. Yeah, that would have been much more interesting. So in keeping with who Mary Jane is, the essence of Mary Jane, I went with Megan Fox. Oh. Because I saw her in Jennifer's Body, and I instantly thought of that movie when I was thinking of actresses, and then I was like, Megan Fox, and I kind of landed on her, and then I was like, yeah, like, she sort of has that energy about her that sort of Mm -hmm. swagger and sassy and overconfident. I mean, I've seen her in a couple of movies. I saw her in The Transformers, which The Transformers movie actually came out the same year as this. Okay. So, I mean, she was working. She was pretty well-known at the time. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, she's really good in that movie, Jennifer's Body. This is going back a bit. But she's actually very good in it. And I think when I saw that, I was like, wow, she can act. She is quite good, but... Nice. I think she could have really tapped into that essence of who Mary Jane actually is in the comic books, and she would have done a little bit more believably, and I don't know, anyone's better than Kirsten Dunst. Oh, no. So you're just not a fan of her in general? I'm, I'm not. Well, I shouldn't really say that, because I have seen her in some movies where I've, I've liked her, but I don't really... 
I don't know. I don't think that in terms of range, mm-hmm. I don't think she has a lot of range yeah. as an actor. I really don't. Yeah, I'd so, agree. So I think Megan Fox, I think she would have been fun. I think she would have brought something totally different to the role. Yeah. And she would have been more, more like the Mary Jane that perhaps even people who are fans of the comic books would have maybe really related to that. Mary Jane better than me did to like this sad emo person dense Mary Jane. <laughs> I like that you're calling uh, Mary Jane emo because Toby Maguire went full emo in this movie. <laughs> well, Toby Maguire went uh, like we're supposed to believe that he becomes evil, and then what makes him evil is that his hairstyle changes, like. <laughs> It oh, was he's so, so bad. He's wearing his hair differently. <laughs> um, that scene in the uh, jazz cafe took two weeks to film. Right. Two weeks of like him dancing and oh my gosh, I just I couldn't believe when I read that. But <laughs> um, so anyway, those are my picks. Those are my picks. Yeah. yeah, they're good. I actually considered Megan Fox, but uh, went a different way. So I'll start, I'll go in the same order that you did. So for Eddie Brock, I have to say, I didn't mind Topher Grace in this. I don't know the comic books. I don't know what people are supposed to look like or supposed to act like or what's their personality. So to me, it's all starting from a clean slate. I do think you make a really good point of for what Topher Grace had done, uh, like the work that he had done up to that point, what a strange choice <laughs> to pick him as a, a villain. But that being said, I didn't mind him. The hair to really? me was the distracting part. But other than that, I was fine with it. But like, did you believe him as someone who was really evil? I believe him as someone who is arrogant and smarmy and a little underhanded. And then when he gets that black stuff, that enhances the aggressive qualities, right? Like, that's what they were saying. So because also, it's the same thing with Tobey Maguire. He's supposed to be a good person. And he went bad as well. So yeah, I, I was fine with it. So you bought Topher Grace as a villain? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he kind of seems like a bit of a douche in real life. So sorry, Topher Grace. <laughs> So yes, I yeah, buy it. Being a douche and being a villain are two totally different things, right? Agreed. But also, okay. I didn't see anything so crazy in this. Like, yeah, he tries to kill Mary Jane, but his ultimate goal is not even to kill Mary Jane. It's he knows that Spider-Man will come to save her. So he's just after Peter Parker, even, because he knows that it's Peter Parker. So I okay. was fine with it. I bought his behavior in this movie. But I was fine with recasting him, too. And I picked James McAvoy. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Well, James McAvoy. What was James McAvoy doing in 2007? Ooh, I didn't check in 2007. Was Atonement would have been around then. But I think he was already Charles Xavier, no? In X-Men? I don't know. Or maybe not. I don't know. Okay. I should have looked at years. I didn't. I just kind of, like, grabbed a handful of titles that he's oh. been in. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just wondering if James McAvoy was sort of on the acting scene yet. Yeah, definitely Atonement was uh, around then. 
Oh, was he? Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's been around longer than I realized. Fair enough. He's only one year younger than Topher Grace. Right, but I, I don't mean, a, like, that he's been around longer on Earth. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant, like, if he's been acting, but yeah. you could, yeah, you're, you could be right. I just, anyway, continue. You might have a problem with another one of my picks then, too, because I actually forgot to check what they were doing at this time. But anyway, so so yeah, James McAvoy, I think there's no question that he's a very good actor with a broad range. So you can definitely see him being villainous. I think that he would have no trouble conveying that. So I can go on to Harry Osborne. I did like James Franco in the first two. In this one, I just wasn't I don't know. I didn't like what he was doing. I had problems with his performance. And there was a point while I was watching where I was like, is he high? Is he playing high? Like, he just seemed like such a blob. I was really disappointed. Why did you think he was high? Because he was was so... What was he doing? He was so, like, subdued. Not that he had to be jumping around, but he just felt like he was really lethargic. <laughs> I don't know. And you know what? <laughs> I will say this. I don't understand, Lucia. What, what part of the movie was this in? When it struck me was when he was in the cafe with Peter Parker telling him that Mary Jane was with him instead. You know, that part. And he looked high? Yes. So you felt that how, like, you felt that his performance, like, he should have played it with more enthusiasm? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I'm just trying to understand, like. Yeah, I'm not sure if enthusiasm is the right word, because it's, like, but yes, I do think that he was really lethargic in this scene, at least, if not throughout many parts of the movie. But so before you continue laughing at me, I did find out that he was filming Pineapple Express at the same time. So you know what? He probably was high. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I wanted someone with a little more enthusiasm, um, somebody who's more charming and could play angry better. Like, I don't know what was going on with James Franco. He just, even when he's supposed to be angry, he just seemed like a blob. That's what was bothering me That's about really it. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I didn't. Okay. So I picked Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. Okay. I think he would have been a much better Harry Osborne. I think I would have preferred to see him with that internal struggle. You know, he lost his father, who he was very close with, and he blames his best friend. To me, there's a lot more acting that could be going on in that role that I didn't see. Well, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal is one of those actors that he can basically do anything. For sure. So, I mean, there's no disputing that. I'm sure if he was in the role, you know, of course, he'd bring something completely different to it, right? Yeah. And so then for Mary Jane Watson, I was fine with Kirsten Dunst. I was, but like, because again, I didn't know anything about these characters going into it. Hearing what Mary Jane is supposed to be like, yeah, Kirsten Dunst is all wrong for the role. (laughs) So I first thought of Kristen Oh, I don't know how to say her last name. Kristen Crook? Creek? She was on Smallville. Oh, right. Yeah. So to me, Mary Jane was literally the girl next door. She is 
pretty and popular, but also nice. And I, I don't know. I just, I think Kristen Crook, like, I don't have any kind of deep reason for choosing her. I just kind of liked her and thought she could do it. There are two songs performed in the movie. And I was like, oh, maybe I should be picking someone who can sing. I don't know if Kristen Kirk can sing, but I've never seen any evidence of that. So I was like, okay, maybe I should pick someone else. So I actually went with Anna Kendrick at the end of the day. Mm, okay. Now she's the one who I don't know what she was doing at this time. And I should have yeah, checked. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know if she was already acting. Yeah, because that's the thing, Rick. I mean, at the time, when they were casting this in 2007, I mean, they chose people who, I mean, everyone that they chose to be in the movie, like, they all had some sort of name recognition, yeah, right? definitely. So that's, that would be my only question in terms of Anna Kendrick would be, was, I, like, I, I can't remember. I know and Anna Kendrick, I feel like she really only became known with Twilight. Yes. Like, that was kind of the first role that I noticed her in. And that was, oh, I that actually, maybe that was, I don't know when that movie came out, to be honest. Was she in all of the Twilight movies? She was in the first one. Okay. And in the first one, she was still pretty unknown when she... Okay. She was in that. So I feel like that might have been before 2007, though. No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't. I know that for certain. But yeah. Sorry, okay. go on. That's okay. So it's funny because while watching the... Because it opens with a scene of Kirsten Dunst singing in a show. And it, to me, looked like, oh, that's not her singing at all. There's no way. I don't know. It just, it looked really fake. And it turns out she was lip syncing, but she was lip syncing to herself. So I was surprised that she has that voice <laughs> inside of her. Right. But uh, but yeah, so that's why I did want to pick someone who I know can sing because that looked fake. So yeah, that was something that was bothering me. Oh, okay. I can't remember if the character of Mary Jane, if she sang at all in the other two movies, or if this was like something new that... Was this a new hobby that she <laughs> She took up the hobby of singing on Broadway. <laughs> I can't remember if she was like uh, a singer in, if they had her sing in the first two. I'm not sure. Like, I don't remember. I feel pretty confident that she didn't sing in the first one. They were in high school and I don't think there was a high school musical scene. <laughs> but she had always wanted to be an actress, right? I think that was part of her character. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I will say this. I know that Megan Fox, I've heard her sing before. Oh. I can't remember where, but I have heard her sing. So she hmm. could do it. It wasn't necessarily something that for me when I was casting, it wasn't kind of anything that I took into consideration, but mm -hmm. I know she can sing. I've heard her sing before. Okay. And like, there's always auto-tuning. It doesn't sure. make anyone sound good, so. <laughs> That's awesome. I I have to say, like, Mary Jane really annoyed me in this movie. And not because of the portrayal, because of the writing. Like, she was really, well, like you said, emo. <laughs> she was so needy and whiny, and it was really obnoxious. And I don't remember her being like that in the first two films. 
I think they really did her a disservice. Now, while Sam Raimi directed all three movies, they weren't all written by the same team. So this last one was written by Sam Raimi and his brother, Ivan Raimi. Yeah, that's right. And I think it might be the writing because so many other things are the same. So what went wrong? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There were a lot of criticisms aimed at this movie. Mm-hmm. And one of them was that there were too many too many villains, too many storylines, just too much going on. And I would definitely agree with that criticism. Yeah. You know what I thought was interesting is I read that Sam Raimi was unhappy with how the film turned out. But... Oh, he well, wrote it. He, he drew, no, sure. <laughs> uh, well, what's interesting about that is that he wrote it, he directed it. Anything that went wrong, can't you kind of point the finger at him? Because he's also not some tiny little brand new director who maybe got the film hijacked from him. Like to me, if there's anything that's wrong with it, that's the first place I'd look. Is that Sam Raimi? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes what happens with these movies is that they become overambitious sure. in what they want to do. And this one is a perfect example of that. They're trying to tell too many stories. They're trying to put too many characters into it. And sometimes if you just streamline things and go for something that has a little bit more simplicity to it, you can do a lot more with that. And it mm-hmm. can be a lot more satisfying for an audience than throwing like a jumble of plot lines and people and uh, stories, like all of this stuff at an audience, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like we haven't even mentioned two of the big characters in this movie and we've been talking for 40 minutes. (laughs) So yeah, there was just too much going on here. I agree. What two big characters? Gwen Stacy and Sandman. Oh, right. Well, yeah. But, I mean, we also didn't recast those. No, I know. But, like, the fact that we've been talking for so much and they haven't even come up in a storyline or, you know, anything that we're talking about, like, there's too much going on. Yeah, there was, definitely. So, the ratings for this movie on IMDb, it got a 59% from 40 critics. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 63% from 258 reviewers. So, yeah, pretty middling. Where that's more or less where I would put it as well in my own personal rating of it. Because it did look good. There were a lot of interesting effects. The Sandman effect, which I read took like three years or something to get it looking right. Um, the oh, technology wow. just didn't exist at the time. And it, it does look really cool. There's a lot of really cool effects that I think look great. Some of the fight scenes I think are really good too. And yeah, like it's not, it's not an, I can't even say it's not a bad movie because it is, but like there's something here. (laughs) Well, there are some elements of it that work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would agree with you. I thought that the action sequences were really good and the effects definitely were excellent. Mm -hmm. So there's certain elements that work, but for me, for the most part, it was just, it's a jumble. It was a jumble of shit that was, like, (laughs) going on. It was too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is too bad, because it it really did kill the franchise. And 
I don't want to get any hate for this. If you disagree with me, that's fine. Please don't come at me, though. <laughs> to me, I'm this come at you. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel we people, like, Marvel we have people, three listeners, and they don't. <laughs> <laughs> we could name them on our hands and say, "You, you, and you." Don't come after me. No. Well, what I was going to say is like this is still my favorite of the Spider-Man franchises. I didn't like the Andrew Garfield ones. I didn't even see the second one because I hated the first one so much. And then I did watch a couple of the Tom, Tom Holland, is it? The yeah. new Spider-Man, whoever the most recent one is, um, as of 2020. I didn't like those either. And I know those are people have really, really loved them. I've heard lots of good things, but those did nothing for me. So Spider-Man one and two of the Sam Raimi versions are still my favorite of all Spider-Man films that I've seen. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you think we uh, did it justice? <laughs> well, I certainly like my casting choices. I think that I improved it. I don't know how you feel about yours, but... Um, I still stand by mine. I like them. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, so we'll just take a quick break and then come back for our final segment. This episode is brought to you by Park Power a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profit groups that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski. And we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. And now back to the show. And we're back and it is time for our final segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we take Tony Danza and cast him into one of the roles in this movie. So I was pretty excited for this one, Janet. How about you? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm always excited for this segment. (laughs) Good. Okay. Well, why don't you go first since you're so excited? Okay. I cast him as Flint Marco or Sandman. Really? I did. I want to see him as a... Okay. So I think it'd be fun to see him as a villain. But at the same time, this villain is kind of on the misunderstood side. Like, yes, he's bad and he wants to steal money and everything. But why does he want to steal money? To help his ailing daughter. So I think he's a really sympathetic villain. So he's... It's like he's a villain with a heart of gold. Exactly. But and he's made of sand. <laughs> with the heart of sand. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think it would be pretty fun to see Tony Danza in that role. Good, good. Yeah, that's good. So I put Dan, uh, Danny, I was going to call him Danny Chonza. <laughs> <laughs> I put Tony Danza as Jay. Jonah Jameson, who is the editor of the Daily Bugle, who (laughs) is played very, very well, awesomely, by J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Who's always excellent. Always. Right? J.K. Simmons always deserves an honorable mention, of course. Mm -hmm. He's awesome in everything that he does. But I thought Tony Danza would have excelled in that role. Yeah. Because I would love to see him play somebody who's like the boss, <laughs> right? Someone who's stern. And I wanted to give him a lead role, 
obviously, because <laughs> it's Tony Danza. He yeah. deserves a lead role. And he's also, like, a really strong character. So yeah. I wanted Tony to, like, be able to really flex his acting muscles and show us his version of J. Jonah Jameson. I like it. I like that a lot, actually. And he also, that's a character that has some, like, fun and funny moments, too. So that would be good. Absolutely. Tony Dance is so good at comedy. Yeah. Nice. And I'm glad that you brought him up, too, because J.K. Simmons is great in this. Yeah. Like, I feel like, J. when has J.K. Simmons not been great in a movie? Never. Like, I don't know. If you add him to your cast, he just always makes things... 200% better, I feel. Yeah, I totally agree. Excellent. Okay, so that's it for Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I never have to watch this again. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to give your brother-in-law the heads up so that he can listen to this and see if he agrees with any of our casting choices. Mm-hmm. We'll have to get him to write in his own recasting. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so thanks to Dan for picking this movie. And, yeah, thank you. And next month, we are going to do a movie that has, I think, been on, well, on every list for, like, having a miscast role. I think this is on all the lists. <laughs> We're going to do Breakfast at Tiffany's. I believe it's from 1961. And we will be recasting the Mickey Rooney role, of course. Oh, we shouldn't have said. Oh, come on. Everybody knows. <laughs> Should have been a surprise. Yeah. I would love for people to have wondered if we were going to recast Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll figure that out. We still can. We don't have to only recast Mickey Rooney. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a classic. Of course. For sure. Yeah. So, and I'm always up for any excuse to watch it again. Definitely. For anybody listening who does want to watch it and doesn't have immediate access to it, if you have Canopy, which is um, a streaming app that many libraries grant access to, it is available on there for free, as long as you have a library card. So watch Breakfast at Tiffany's, recast along with us, and we'll see you next month. Thanks, Janet, for joining me, as always. Oh, thanks. Bye. Bye. Lucy here. Just wanted to mention that Netflix Canada has brought back Breakfast at Tiffany's, so if you have Netflix, you can watch it there. And if you have any suggestions for a movie that you think Janet and I should recast, you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com or find us on all the social media stuffs at repodcasting. Thanks and see you next month.